This is the John Oakley Show podcast. A great day for talk radio. It's one of those days where, well, we're happy to be here. We're going to talk about uh, the Ford government. And, you know, when it comes to matters of transparency and accountability, they're getting some heat because of uh, trips being taken without actually reporting uh, the cost, staffing, and so on and so forth. Uh, How important is that in terms of accountability? And uh, what, if any, message does it send? I mean, is there a perception of being off-brand, for example, when he wants to uh, cut back in several areas that have certainly raised the dander of uh, many people? Health cuts being one prominent example. As I say, we'll talk about that here shortly. But on the health cuts matter, uh, needless to say, there have been a lot of people putting up howls of outrage saying, for a variety of reasons, that uh, this is going to... uh, be very deleterious to the overall health and uh, outcomes down the road in a cost-benefit type of scenario. Uh, Then you've got other people saying, well, they're retroactive and they kind of blindsided us when it comes to doing budgeting and so on and so forth. And then uh, Councillor Joe Cressy, who chairs the city's Board of Health, actually explained last week that people are going to die. Now, is that hyperbole? Let's find out. The councillor has joined us here on The Oakley Show this afternoon to tell us what exactly is going on by way of response and reaction to the Ford announced cuts. Councillor, good to have you on the Oakley Show. Good afternoon. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate your coming on. So uh, this cutback thing uh, is really starting to resonate because I'm reading reports where uh, various communities have gotten together. The mayors and regional chairs of Ontario or Marco have apparently uh, remarked in concert that this is just not on, and uh, you would agree with that, obviously. Yeah, so the the background here is that a little over two and a half weeks ago, without any notice or any consultation, the province announced first that they were going to cut the number of public health units in the province of Ontario from 35 to 10. And they also announced at the same time that they were going to be cutting funding, in some cases, by almost as much as 40%. Now, this is certainly significant and severe for Toronto, where we run a a variety of programs in Toronto Public Health, dental screening programs for kids aged 4 to 12. Uh, We run student breakfast programs for in 634 schools. We do disease control to ensure that there's not a disease outbreak. But it's also right across the province. We're now hearing from mayors from north to south, east to west in this province, who are speaking up with real concerns. And I think it's it's bubbling over here that I, I'm really, along with Mayor Tory, hopeful that the province reverses cor- course on this short-sighted decision. Well, are you anticipating that? I mean, it's not unprecedented where he has reversed course on uh, other fronts where he's announced cuts. Well... For two reasons, I'm hopeful that they will reverse course. The first is because when you invest in public health, it's a fiscally responsible thing to invest in. In fact, the research has shown that for every dollar you invest in public health, you save $16 in healthcare costs because, you know, when you invest in tobacco prevention, you save the healthcare costs from somebody who might develop lung cancer. When you invest in disease control, if somebody doesn't get meningitis or hepatitis B, then you save those long-term healthcare costs. So I'm hopeful that they'll, that they'll reverse course because this is the fiscally responsible thing to do. But more than that, I think in the, in the nine months of this government, we are seeing the most comprehensive and sustained opposition to to any issue that they've undertaken. I mean, when you have the mayors of the 28 largest cities in this province 
and that includes two former Progressive Conservative Party leaders who are mayors, surely you got to give your head a shake to say, are we really doing the right thing here? Again, with Councillor Joe Cressy, he chairs the city's Board of Health. We're talking about uh, the cutbacks that the Ford government has announced to health care, public health, and of course it's uh, not going down well with the mayors and regional chairs of Ontario, or Marco for short. But you said people are going to die. You continue to live by that? You, do you believe, uh, or is that, you know, some people have said this is hyperbole. I mean, you're being alarmist. So I firmly believe that you should only yell fire if there is a real fire. And... I I said those words, and I'll say it again, that without an ounce of exaggeration, because of these cuts, people will die. And that's not just me saying it. Mayor Tory has expressed the same remarks and concern, as has the people's doctor of our, of our city, Dr. Eileen Davila, who's our medical officer of health. And it's because the research has shown this. Prior to SARS and Walkerton, municipalities were funded less to do public health work. And after the, the, devis, the, the deaths that came about with both SARS and Walkerton, a whole series of expert panels were convened, and the research was indisputable that if you invest in public health, you save lives. And the corollary is also true, that if this province does what it has now announced it is going to do, and that is close public health units right across the province in rural and urban Ontario, but also cut funding, it is not hyperbole. It is simply a sad fact that people will die. Well, all right. Uh, you know, the thing with Walkerton, I mean, uh, a lot of folks see it as two brothers who were derelict in their duties, and no matter how much health funding would have been involved, uh, these kinds of things slip through the cracks when people are on top of their game. But let me ask you, what do you think the government ought to be doing then, investing more in health care? I mean, how do they square the circle that they're left with a, a deficit of 12 to $15 billion and cuts have become necessary because of profligate spending in the previous 15 years? You know, I think it's a great question. And and the irony here is that investing in public health actually helps reduce the overall health care budget. I mean, that's the short-sighted thinking here. You know, the um, the old lines, you know, penny-wise, pound-foolish, that comes to light here. So if you invested $1 in vaccines, you save $16 in health care costs because people don't contract the diseases. And it's the same with tobacco prevention. If you invest $1 in tobacco prevention, you save $20 in health care costs because, again, people don't end up in the hospitals. And so for a government that has stated that they want to both bring down the debt but also end hallway health care, the absolute worst place to cut is public health. And unfortunately, I think part of the reason they thought they could get away with it is because when public health is working, it's invisible. I mean, I've never seen a headline that says, you know, child doesn't get meningitis. (laughs) Well, no, that's what Dr. Eileen DeVilla was saying as well. I mean, that's one of the paradoxes of uh, the health care program. So if I'm to understand you correctly, like frontline costs should not be cut, but what do you make of the government's reforms as proposed with Christine Elliott, cutting out the lens and uh, then doing these health hubs, uh, being more responsive? And maybe uh, it's a lot of administration that gets cut back and that money instead gets earmarked to uh, the crisis points on the front lines. Would you favor that? 
Well, let, let me be very clear on, as it relates to the proposed public health reforms. There are currently 35 public health units across the province. They are proposing to close 25 of them to create 10 new regional bodies. And that is counter to a century of evidence that has demonstrated that the best way to deliver frontline preventative health care is to ensure that it is locally driven and responsive. And so let me give you a really practical example. Uh, in, the cities of, in the city of Toronto, we as part of public health do uh, food inspections, those green dine safe stickers you see. And we do that because we want to stop foodborne illnesses like E. coli from coming in. That across the province, you can't do that work. We inspect 32,000 premises every year. You can't do that work on a regional level. That's not providing efficient services. Rather, that's providing less services, which results in less, more risk. And, um, and so, no, I would counter that from a health delivery point of view, the best way to provide effective health care and preventative health care and the most cost efficient way to do it is in communities where they are. I, that's what a, a body of evidence has shown again and again. And, you know, this is a vicious cycle. Uh, we've seen it before. Governments cut funding to public health, which results in outbreaks of disease or other factors, resulting in a public outcry, resulting in the restoration of funding. And so let's just stop that whole vicious cycle right now and reverse these cuts. So would you concede then that we can be more cost efficient, but you're saying the Ford government's going in the other direction? Oh, we can always, listen, as governments, we can and should always be more cost efficient. I mean, we... Where would you find those efficiencies? So in, in Toronto Public Health currently, we're in the process right now, uh, which we launched a year ago, of the full modernization of our public health model and with a real focus on integrated technology with our services. So, for example, uh, one one immediate piece here would have to do with the issue on opioids and and the overdoses that are taking place. And we've developed an online tracking tool to both in coordination with emergency EMS, emergency services, to both track hotspots where overdoses are taking place to make sure that we have the prevention work in those locations. And that, that type of modernization is already underway. But what the province has announced here is they have are using the term modernization to refer to cost cutting and downloading. And that's why it was just this morning, the mayors and regional chairs of Ontario, this is an association called Marco, that has a constituency representing nearly 10 million people. So these are mayors of all political stripes from all regions of our province have come out opposed to these cuts. And so, you know, listen, I think it's never easy to admit you got it wrong. But in this case, it's very clear that, you know, I think the province, they announced this without talking to us. And after the fact, they've realized the full breadth and outrage over the potential loss of these programs. And I think they just have to have to take one on the chin and admit, like they did on autism funding or the Greenbelt development, that they got this one wrong. But, Joe, uh, would you also concede that sometimes... Uh there's never going to be enough. For example, you mentioned uh, the opioid crisis. What do we have now? Four overdose uh, crisis centers, I guess, in town, if I've got it right. Look, uh, you might say maybe we need 10 or 20. I mean, it's just that all pervasive. Where do you draw the line on resources? Well, this, this is 
healthcare. I mean, what kind of city ultimately do we want to live in? Do we want to live in a city? We're adding a million people into this city over the next 10 years. And do we want to, do we want to aspire to be a city that is livable and that is healthy, in which case you have to increase services to serve those people? Do we stop building new hospitals and community clinics as the population grows? Uh, no, of course not. Rather, just as the population grows, so do the roads to support them and the health care to keep us healthy and safe. But more than that, this is there is a direct connection between the health of our city and the economic vitality of our city. I mean, we saw what happened after SARS, and we saw the huge impact that had on our tourism sector and our business sector. I mean, for goodness sakes, I mean, the Winterlicious came out of SARS because people stopped going out to eat. And so if you start to so-called trim the fat by focusing on the preventative health care, the risks and the outcomes are not just more people getting sick, they're also uh, more health care costs and a worse economy. I mean, this is just, it, it's why Mayor Tory has been spot on on this. And I, I really give him credit because, you know, there's no left or right way to do uh, public health. There's only one way to clean uh, the water and make sure it's safe to drink. There's only one way to ensure that you vaccinate kids properly, and that's based on evidence. It's not a left or right thing. And, and so I stand with Mayor Tory here uh, and completely agree that it's time to reverse these cuts. All right. And so if uh, the premier decides that this is, in fact, a priority upon which he'll reverse uh, field here, uh, so if he takes from Peter to pay Paul, you're okay with that? I mean, somebody else might go lacking. I I, I don't, uh, I I must admit, I don't understand the implications. Well, I'm just saying, I mean, if they've got a fixed pie of resources or money, I mean, and they're going to say, all right, we'll reverse ourselves now on the health thing. I mean, we'll pour as much as is necessary uh, into it, according to uh, what you see as being, you know, an appropriate threshold. Somebody else might go wanting. uh, So if if the province is looking for suggestions on where to find the money for the $200 million they're cutting from public health, I could give one here right now, which is they could incur this province upwards of a billion dollars in costs in order to break the legal agreement uh, to sell beer in convenience stores. So if I had to choose between breaking the agreement to sell beer in convenience stores with a cost of nearly a billion dollars and instead putting that money into vaccinations for kids into prenatal um, uh, training and support for expectant mothers and into student breakfast programs, I'm sorry, but, you know, folks are going to have to wait to get a beer at the convenience store. Let's make sure our kids are safe. All right, but you're putting the cart before the horse. That's still being negotiated, so that's somewhat disingenuous to say it's going to... No, I I don't think so. You you posed the question of Peter paying Paul, Mm -hmm. and I'm providing a very clear example of where Peter could pay Paul, and so I don't, for the Yeah, but you've affixed the price to it. You're saying there's a billion dollars there. That's not going to well, be a billion. No, no. The, the media reports have said up oh. to a billion dollars, which I said. And so I listen, I'm just going to state the facts as they are. If I'm asked <laughs> a question of where should Peter pay Paul, I'm going to provide an answer. Mm-hmm. And the answer is up to a billion dollars, which is what the estimates have shown. Well, the estimates are coming from the beer store people themselves. I mean, they obviously want to uh, gin up a little bit of anxiety over that. All right, listen, so uh, we'll see because the mayors obviously uh, and regional chairs of government are uh, not impressed with the Ford government's cut to health care. You've expressed as much itself. We're going to talk about it a little later in the program. Appreciate your weighing in, Councillor. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me on. You got it. Councillor Joe Cressy is the chair of the city's Board of Health.
So this one's not going away. As a matter of fact, uh, it seems like it's amping up. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 